is not every day you get to interview one of the greatest to ever play the guitar. His name is Alex. He plays for a band called Testament. How's it going? Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, George. Um, yeah, too kind, but I appreciate the intro. And uh, doing doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, this show's called Meet Me for Coffee. It's about coffee, conversation over coffee, the feel of it. Uh, how do you take your coffee? You yeah, coffee? I I take it black. Um, awesome. I'm sorry, I don't have coffee with me. It's kind of late on the East Coast, and I had a full pot uh, already today. But uh, yeah, I take it black, and um, I my favorite coffee is Pete's Coffee, which is from the West Coast. Luckily, you can get it on the East Coast now. You can get it in uh, certain stores, and that, that yeah, it's cool. what I made. Yeah. Well, I drink my my coffee black as well, so I'm happy that I get to bond with you over that at least. Uh, yeah, I don't understand the whole drowning it and milk and sugar and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that that's true. I know Ozzy Osbourne; he likes to take his coffee black, but he just chugs it back in one shot. So uh, um, people think he's crazy, but I think he's kind of a genius in in the same fact too. So. Yeah, he's a little of both. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever met Ozzy before? I have. I've shared a stage with him. Wow. Um, what's he like? Uh, you know, he's a lot like on the TV show. <laughs> he's, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of out there, but he's very, he is smart. I think he's smarter than he lets on. Yeah. Uh, more, a little more with it than he, he lets on. I fully agree with you. Um, playing on so many stages, uh, being sponsored or endorsed by guitar companies. I've always been curious to know, uh, when you are sponsored, uh, I believe you're, you're sponsored right now by, is it, is it Godin? And ESP? yeah, that's actually a, a Godin right here. Um, yeah. Canadian, nice Canadian folks. Yeah. There. Makes me um, feel good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm around Toronto, Ontario here. So oh, cool. Um, yeah. They're, they're one of the, they're, they're one, yeah, one of the best, I think one of the best companies. They got some so, nice sounding guitars. Yeah, and I use them for um, some of my instrumental music. Um, I have a, a whole instrumental side that I'm actually quite busy with. Um, wow. Sometimes I get I'm busier with that, but the, obviously the metal thing gets more attention. So um, for the metal stuff and also some some of the instrumental stuff, I'll use uh, ESP, and I have a signature esp guitar now when they they get you on a sponsorship deal are you su supposed to you make an agreement that you'll exclusively play their guitars or how does that work well they understand with me that's not going to happen okay. um i have a number of guitars i don't know if uh you can see over here but there's yeah wow there's like a whole collection and there are you know I have vintage ones i have um, you know, I have different situa musical situations. I'll use different guitars. I've picked up a great Stratocaster last year, a replica of uh, an early 60s one that I'm, I'm using on a bunch of stuff. And um, I have a couple, <clears throat> a couple Gibsons that are among my, my favorite guitars. But there's an understanding. So uh, ESP has been very... Um, understanding about that they know that you know i will use their guitars when i can't when i use a different guitar too it's going to be a either like a classic guitar you know like a classic gibson 
or Fender or um, Godin, which makes guitars that like ESP doesn't make. You know, these hollow body guitars that are best for jazz guitar situations. Um, ESP doesn't really have any guitars like that, so they're understanding about it. If I were to play, say, um, a direct competitor like Dean or Ibanez or Fernandez, yeah, then I, could, I would understand that would be too a little annoying. And that, that wouldn't be fair. And there'd be no reason for that. You know what I mean? Because that's a currently made guitar, big manufacturer, um, you know, been around about as long like those types of companies uh i'm not going to play absolutely i mean you got to respect you got to respect that that rivalry and stuff like that but the, the golden guitar like uh, we yeah, played golden's different David golden makes music. with it too right up here we rock music and everything it sounds fantastic yeah. yeah and they make they make all types of guitars now but the ones that i play are generally not you know not like anything esp makes so you, and you I also sponsor uh, your sound, right? So, yeah, it's part it's part it's part of my sound. And for my trio, which is like the main uh, vehicle that where I use those guitars, that's it's perfect. The go the go down is perfect. Um, I also uh, do some acoustic music, and for acoustic music, I play Taylor guitars, and they sponsor me, and it's it's great. I mean, I'm sort of I'm lucky to be at this point in my career where. You know, I've sort of, I don't really have to prove myself anymore. And all these companies are, they're very understanding. They're like, you know, you use our product when you can. That's great. But there's no pressure. And, they, you know, it's, it's been a very cool situation. It's super cool because um, I was reading that you joined Legacy at the age of 15. Uh, so you've mm -hmm. been in high school. And That's right. uh, so this ended up being Testament. Uh, mm -hmm bit down not bit down a few years later after that right um yeah. so how did you meet meet up with everyone in the original legacy um band it was interesting because there was a movement happening in the san francisco bay area at that time really fast uh almost punk influenced heavy metal and it was partially a rebellion against Southern California, because Southern California was getting all the attention, right? You had glam, hard rock. You had Motley Crue, and pretty soon you'd have all these other bands that would sort of follow in the footsteps of Motley Crue. And the heavy bands were, a couple of them were from South, Southern California, like Slayer, for example, and, um, and Metallica when they first started. And briefly metallica moved to the san francisco bay area they weren't actually it wasn't that long between the time they moved and the time they really started blowing up and they've been blowing up ever since um but slayer too uh they did their first shows in the san francisco bay area and they were just embraced in a way that they weren't in southern california so this whole movement was in the san francisco bay area and um, there were a lot of local bands that were playing this type of music, and this, some of the some of them would support these visiting bands. So um, Slayer started coming to the Bay Area regularly, 
and one of their support bands was a band called Exodus. And that was the band that had been started by Kirk Hammett. Now, obviously, he had replaced, he went on to replace Dave Mustaine in Metallica. And, um, but Exodus was, was his band. So they had a lot of um, notoriety because of the Metallica connection. And then, so Exodus supported Slayer. And then this other band called Legacy supported Slayer. And I started hearing about them. And I would go to these shows. And for some reason, I missed the shows when Legacy played. But people were telling me about them. They're like, oh, I think, you know, we think this is going to be like the next band, like to kind of follow in the footsteps of, of Exodus. So they supported Exodus. They supported Slayer. Uh, Megadeth's first show was also in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, anyway, so I kept hearing about this, this band. This was like the support band. And... I was having trouble putting a group together in high school. At that time, it was rare to have played an instrument, to play at least guitar for more than a few years. If you had experience playing an instrument, you were probably a classical musician. Um, you know, in the 1980s, um, people didn't play as early as they did. You know, now you can go on YouTube and you see kids that are like advanced, playing very advanced stuff. But it wasn't like that back then. And it was very hard to find people to play with. And I said, oh, you know, I, I should find an existing band. And it had crossed my mind. Yeah, a band like that. That band that is doing all these support shows that my friends keep telling me about. And sure enough, I heard the guitar player left the band. They were looking for a guitar player. Uh, you, you know, my friends told me, you know, you should go try out for this band or go, go meet them at least. And that was how the whole thing started. That's incredible. And uh, at that point, when you heard the guitar player was leaving, did you go stand in front of the mirror and say, could I be the next guy in line? Or did you um, just go and audition for him? And then the rest is history. Like how, how long until they, they told you you were in the band? Um, It was pretty quick. You know, I met them. I went to their rehearsal studio. Um. Oh. I think, you know, when I started warming up already, they just said, oh, yeah, you, sh you should play play with us. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and, and what's the timeline between um, and why did you change the name uh, from Legacy to Testament? Um, that was probably, gosh. Um, yeah, I think I first, yeah, I first met them just as I was about to turn 16. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Cool. Um, late 1985. So um, the, the, I don't think our first show was until early in the new year of 1986. But it's, it's kind of crazy how quickly things happen. So during 1986, we do several shows uh, by... 1980 oh you know what no i'm sorry um i think yeah i was it was late 1984 when i met them and i was still in school so i uh did my first games with them in 85 so in 85 um we're playing all these gigs and do you remember your first gig the way you yeah felt? yeah very much oh i was terrified um it was at a now legendary place called uh, Ruthie's Inn, but it was kind of a dive. And, you know, 
but in uh, it now, you know, now it's legendary because like, everybody's played there. And at one time, yeah, it was sort of the the C list club, right? There was there were these other venues. Uh, Keystone Berkeley was that was the one I always wanted to play, and I used to get into shows there as a as a kid. I had an older brother who played bass, played there a few times, and um, but then that that venue closed down, and Ruthie's End kind of became the place to play. So Slayer ended up playing there. The first time they played, it was the Keystone. The next time, it was Ruthie's End, <laughs> and then uh, Megadeth's first show, Ruthie's End. So that was the place, and that was where I did my first show. And yeah, I just remember it was just so ex- it was like a roller coaster ride. And um, yeah, we did several more that year, and then um, eventually, I guess that yeah, by the time 1986 comes around, like all kinds of crazy things happen. So we had gotten the attention of Megaforce Records, which had been Metallica's first label. They were no longer on that label at this point. They were on uh, Electra Records. <clears throat> but uh, Megaforce was, you know, they were signing uh, a bunch of bands. They picked up Overkill and King's X and oh, yeah. some cool bands, right? And they were looking, I think they, they wanted another Bay Area band. And they, um, they had gotten word of us. Um, and uh, yeah, we started talks with them during 1986 and also during that time our singer left so our singer <laughs> it was kind of nuts so i joined the band 85 the singer leaves 86 he joins exodus so they changed the course that's course. steve souza it was yeah it was kind of crazy and then um by the time yeah it was really by the like second half of 1986 where we found our Next singer, it was still the singer, Chuck Billy. Um, we did our deal with Megaforce Records. But once we went legit and you know we signed a record label, well, you that's when you do a trademark search and that's when you <laughs> secured your name. And they didn't have out, the internet back then, so right, um, you didn't have the internet, yeah. So you had to, yeah, like you had to. It was yeah, it was done. It was done by a music attorney usually, cool. and that's what happened. Our attorney at the time, um, he's actually still our attorney, Elliot Kahn, great uh, music attorney. Um, he did he did the trademark story, and he warned us. He just said, "Look, if you guys, it's understandable you haven't heard of any other bands with the name, but it's possible there's some other band somewhere that has the name and isn't going to give it up." So. There was a hotel band, I think, in in uh, New Orleans, and they were smart. They trademarked the name, and they you know they did their weekly weekend cover gigs, but they were Legacy. So, if they have the trademark, we cannot put out albums called Legacy. So Otherwise, you'd have was, to pay them. Yeah, pretty much, and they, yeah, they weren't going to give it up. So that was how uh, we ended up change our name there was an all points bulletin uh to find a name and i i think testament worked out because it was one of many names I, and when you try to name a band it's very difficult right no everything sounds terrible <laughs> you can take existing 
band names. And if you didn't have those bands that they're associated with, it's probably going to be a terrible sounding name. So oh, really oh. the band makes the name. But I remember pointing out to the guys, like if we take this name, Testament, it's kind of cool because there's an even number of letters. You have the same letter in the front. You have the same letter in the back. Yep. You have this A in the middle. And then you have three letters on both. Sides. This could be, cool. you know, just we should try doing a logo. So Eric, uh, who founded the band, he's kind of the the um, artwork mastermind as well. Um, he doesn't do the finished artworks, but he always visualizes the artwork. So um, I had made that suggestion. He did like a, a sketch, eventually a real like artist did a, a finished version of it and it looks great and we had no time to waste <laughs> we have to get in the studio they need to start pre-orders the whole process that happens especially back then when you're putting out an album so we they have to put out a press state we have to do this we need a name now that was so it happened really fast what were some of the other names that were in the air gosh i I don't remember. They were probably so bad. I, I, I can't even, I blocked them out of my memory. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere there's, there's, there's you and your, in your mind, just trying to dust off what I'm trying to ask you, right? I mean, it's right. such a long time ago and you've had so many great experiences. Um, let's talk about an experience that you've mm -hmm. had that has, uh, being on the road, as long as you, you've been on the road, um, is is there a way at some point in time when you're touring, you hear about bands, they just don't get along after being on the road for such a long time. Um, is that a relevant experience for you? Like, is, is there tension that builds up being on the same bus, the same stage every day, night and day? Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the resurrection period of Testament, yep. yeah, which is like since the really since the 2010s, um, there's been an understanding of that and much more respect for people's space. Yeah. Um, so it's the experience of being in the band, you know, the last decade or so is very different than it was that first wave. And the first wave of the band, you know, just, it was like a, you know, VH1 documentary. Yeah, behind the music it's just you know out kind of there's just everybody's overwhelmed and out, you know there's some out of control behavior and uh it, it was tough it was tough because there isn't there wasn't that respect for the space and, yeah, and, and plus you guys are really tired too like you just constantly touring and and yeah, it's, it's exhausting, but you know, also when you're that age, I mean, gosh, I, I was around 18 when we did the first tour for the first record. The other guys were sort of early mid 20s, but still wow. very um, youthful and, and and pretty, you know, pretty wild. So it was just non stop energy. So we finished the show. Um, there were there weren't a lot of um, boundaries. Like the band did not know much about boundaries back then. So yeah, you know, dressing rooms would just be full of 
friends and hangers on and partiers, people that somehow got backstage full of smoke, full of, yeah. And then the tour bus would be the same thing. So it just like you, there was no escape. It was just constantly a smoke and crowd filled tour bus. And yeah, after a couple of years, it got kind of, kind of difficult. Luckily by the time we did the, I think the third record, we had a couple buses. So at that point we were able to, you know, there was the crazy bus and there, there was another bus you could go to escape, which wasn't as, even then it was still pretty crazy, but not as crazy. And um, I, yeah, by the time we get to the early nineties, I like I'd had it. I'm just like over that. I was, you know, I was like 10 years older than I actually was mentally. And I just thought, we got to move on. I just want to focus on music. I can't deal with this constant noise and all these hangers-on and everything. So I think that probably would have driven me out of the band no matter what. But then on top of that, the guys weren't getting along with each other very well. And there was all kinds of sort of behind-the-music drama. And mostly, like, I just felt like I was still developing as a musician. So I decided to step away and... You know, just went down some some different paths. Cool, and now which I'm still on, but I now I'm able to do it and balance it with the band. Yeah, and now you're able to do it in a different light. I mean, it's it's many years later, and uh, you guys have pretty much obviously matured. There is probably some some drinks on on the bus sometimes, but it's not like super crazy, right? Oh yeah, I mean, some of the like biggest instigators before are now like first to bed you know it's quiet time they <laughs> they're they're over it. so that makes it much easier because it's like okay you know well, steve DiGiorgio, he's a he's a big estimator yeah. too well he's a yeah he he's also he wasn't there the first time around too he was later so I, yeah i just i just love the way he plays um yeah he's a great player solid right i mean mm-hmm. uh Spoke to him and, and Gene Hoagland for uh, almost an hour in one of my episodes. Nice. Um, Gene has left. Um, what are the updates on the drummer situation? Um, how does someone audition? I, I don't know. There's no auditions. No auditions, eh? Yeah. yeah. It, I think at this level, it could be crazy to do an announcement that the band is auditioning and we, we would just be overwhelmed. We'd get overwhelmed with applications and instead there's uh we i think of as a short list okay that's being looked at and it includes some known drummers some that are more up and coming like more recent generation drummers um we'll have no problem i mean i think everybody who's being considered is really good no question these are tough shoes to fill obviously very big shoes big shoes metaphorically and and real in real life but um you know there's there are some great drummers out there and i i just think um among the several that are being considered i think uh it's probably going to be one of them and i've of course i'm i've gotten messages from several drummers myself or friends or bandmates of drummers like 
hey man, if you guys are looking, you know, check this guy out. And I'm just, I'm just telling everybody, well, you know, the, there's the short list. If nobody, if it doesn't end up being anybody from the short list, then we'll see. But we yes. have to decide soon because, you know, there's could be a tour not that far away. So. Oh man, uh, and you'd have to get them in there and and gel with you guys. So although it won't, it won't at a guy bringing a guy in that is at that that level you guys are at, mm. it shouldn't be hard, right? It's, you know, it it take a few times just to get it all rolling, right? Yeah, I mean, we know a lot of musicians just from doing the festivals and you know, just from the, the whole circle of music. So, uh, there you know, there are some obvious ones that come to mind. And it's, you know, it's about schedules and you know who not only who's available but who you know who really wants to do it yeah and then beyond I, I, that i would ask you who's on that list but you probably won't tell me because uh, yeah that, i'm not i'm not at liberty and it'll, it'll become a headline yeah and then and that'd be just a big big thing for the show and uh they'll probably make it somebody uh putting in that put it that person in that place is not actually going to be there so yeah um, what i say gets surveilled yeah, absolutely, Basically. and and there, so I don't want to, no accidental headlines. They can say, you know, sure, there's a small group of drummers being considered, but yeah, yeah. If I drop any names, then oh, there's man. gonna be all this excitement, and then it's gonna be around some person that may it may not be that person, and then it's just a bunch of clickbait. So yeah, absolutely, you, know. uh, you got your own podcast as well, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. What's it called? It's called Moods and Modes, oh. and uh, I started it in July of 2020 during the pandemic, during the lockdown phase of the pandemic, and I'd been planning it for a long time, but I finally got it together and um, really just, it, it was an opportunity to do sh the type of shows that I like to listen to. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I know the ones that I like. It's audio only, by the way. Um, we are planning to put them on YouTube, but uh, I don't film it the way we're filming this. Uh, yeah, so this gets put out in both versions, right? Um, it's going to be, yeah. Sometimes it's cool to just see the person too, right? Like, oh, did he actually talk to Alex from Testament? Yeah, it's him, right? That's cool. Um, yeah, but it's not just interviews either. A lot of it's yeah. it's really more storytelling. I like it. Yeah, so there have been several. Um, some of them have been about uh, music stores. I went to uh, Sweetwater, one of the, the, the largest online music retailer. Cool, I love that States. store. Yeah, it was great. And I did a master class there, uh, recorded with one of the best bass players on the planet in my opinion of uh, Stu ham and right. um we've played together a lot we have a recording coming out uh but i documented that process i got a tour of the facility talked to the guys that became an episode uh, i also did an episode on a vintage guitar store in brooklyn called retro fret and talked about that talked to them that was a lot of fun and then i've i've been fortunate to have some really great artists that I talked to. So 
uh, before the pandemic, I was already planning to do this. It just took the pandemic for me to finally get together. But even before that, I had a few um, New York musicians over to my house and we played together just uh, playing duets. And it was really cool. And so those there's a few uh, episodes like that. But then once we had the pandemic, then there's Zoom. And um, I did a bunch of interviews on Zoom. They're not really, they're not just interviews. Like I'll talk to people, but then if we're talking about a certain type of music, maybe I'll play the music and I'll do um, extra commentary. And I've had a couple quite uh, well-known musicians that I'm, I still, I'm still pinching myself that they were on with me. Uh, one of them was Peter Frampton. And oh, uh, cool. another one was Pat Metheny, and oh. uh, there's yeah, there's some others you know in, in in the work. So it's it's yeah, it's become a thing, and it's on a network, uh, Osiris Network, that has a couple hundred podcasts, Wicked. all music focused. Uh, O'Teal Burbridge, who's one of my favorite bass, another one of my favorite bass players, he has a podcast on there. Eric Krasno, you know, just really like musicians, musicians. And a lot of um, deep dive music um, podcasts, but it's all it's all built around music, and it's a great network to be a part of. Do you do you ever think that people pinch themselves when they're playing beside you as well? Um, I don't think about that. Yeah, I don't think about that. At I, all. Yeah. I would have to probably hit myself over the head with a chair yeah. just to be like, "Holy cow, I'm holding it down." Um, you are a great musician. Alex, no, thank and, you. Uh, it's, I'm uh, just dedicated. I, that's how I think. I love the commitment. I know. Um, I heard you had like a was it a hip hop rap album? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I, um, saw, I saw Blabbermouth like uh, posted about it, and people were in the comments like, "What the hell is going on here?" <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, that's one way I, you know, I tend to end up the subject of quite a few clickbait headlines especially on on that website um and not that i do the rap songs for this reason but i know it's gonna just troll the you know the the clickbait culture <laughs> absolutely i had david elfson on the show um earlier last year and uh one of one but of he's the... he's clickbait for very different reasons which yeah is, yeah Probably yeah, but I, I still I still respect the guy as a musician. He's very good. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a great guy. He's so great one guy. one of the articles on Blabbermouth was how he takes his coffee with oat milk. Uh-huh. I thought I saw my face on there. I was like, man, this could be pretty good. I click on the link. He's like, oh, he takes his his coffee with oat milk. Hmm. It's like that's it. That's it. I thought that was a good. Sh- it was a good show, right? Like, um, it was like two liner. And coffee. that was it. Yeah, that was the yeah. story. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the rap song. It's my it's my third. I actually came out the first one I did. I uh, came out was right before the 2020 election, and I just with these things I ne- I needed to express. I had thoughts about it and everything that was going on. And before I even did the song, I had just done a post, just encouraging people to vote. Um, you know, things to consider. Just, you know, I'm not towing the party line i'm not telling people they should just watch one network such as cnn or yes um i'm not saying you know i'm not 
saying anything like that. I'm just, yeah, I was just trying to give some perspective and why it was important to vote. And I think, yeah, I was very polite. Anyway, so some of the reaction, particularly on the um, sort of right-wing Donald Trump fan side of things, which I didn't realize there were so many of those that were following me. Like, what, what are you even following me for? <laughs> well, I got a bunch of them are like not following me anymore, apparently. Yeah, unfollow. Un yeah, they wait. They wait for you to do something, and then all of a sudden they emerge, right? Yeah, and there's also these guys that say, "I was a fan, not now." You know, or, you've made me a Republican. I'm not. I, 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 I think a lot of them are just trolls. Like, there's yeah. no way there's that many. You know what I mean? There's a lot of very suspicious ones too, but there are some who who believe it. And anyway, I got so many of these reactions from this rather polite like post that I did about the election. So in response to that, I said, okay, I'm instead of writing back to all these people um, and just, you know, commenting and just getting into these multiple back and forth, which would take up more time and energy than I have. I thought, what is a way for me to say what I want to say in a way that they're all going to hear it. They're all going to pay attention. And it ended up being this rap song called Trump sucks. <laughs> and I do this introduction in the beginning where I say, you know, I did a post about the election and you guys inspired me to write this song. This is for you. That's, that's so good. I, yeah. it, and, it really shouldn't matter. Like who, like I, I understand why we're so um, like, even up here in Canada, just, everybody has an opinion about everything, right? It's uh, that's you know, it it just happens, right? Um, you you write a song, um, mm -hmm. purposely and to to cause an uprising, and that's what happened, right? It's uh, it's uh, oh yeah, it was. I was <laughs> amazed, like the yeah, I th I thought I would just like annoy people on my socials who were just you know kind of reacting to me it was really for them but i didn't it got picked up far and wide like beyond metal press it was yeah it really be, became a story you became an instant superstar that's what happened <laughs> i don't know about that but um and the whole thing was done over in less than a weekend i think i decided to do it on a saturday uh, I s wrote the song. It was up till like three in the morning, just working on the song, getting the basics recording. Uh, tracked the song, finished it all by the next evening, and then shot the video uh, yeah. right here on my sofa because we were in lockdown still. And um, it was also good practice because I wanted to see if I could put a rap song together, play bass play keyboards and play guitar and record it and do make it decent. And uh, yeah, by Monday I had this song, I posted it and <laughs> I think if I knew how much reach it would get, I'd probably, I probably would have spent more time on it, but it's fine. I listened to it and it, and it's, it sounds cool. So then my next one uh, was called WAFM. 
right? And that sounds like a radio station, but it stands for wear an effing mask. And it was obviously with, with, with that one, it was a bit, you know, addressing the whole anti-mask culture, right? When that, when that was pretty new. Yeah. And um, that, yeah, that one I, I put a little more time and effort into. And then, you know, I've, I've had these requests like I've been, people have hounded me, you know, do more and more. We, you know, we love, I mean, the people who hate it really hate it. And there's plenty of them, but there, there's a lot of people that just love it and they want more songs. And then I, so this one, this latest one, I started working on last spring. And by, I think I started it in June or May or June. And I finished it by July. It took like a month or so. And I had a real uh, hip hop producer mix it, Johnny Nice. I had it mastered. Um, I kind of went all out. I had a guest rapper, Kimmy G. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd always, I'd wanted to write one about Fox News, which is just this insane news network. And I'm not saying that everything CNN says is good. And I'm not saying you should listen to. Uh, any particular media outlet, but Fox, the nighttime Fox people are insane. They're just, you know, these are these people, they yell at the TV. They have on these election conspiracists and, you know, just talking about. It it adds, it adds to a lot of this, right? I mean, there's so much going on. Uh, People are have, I I said this earlier today, I'm I'm really having a hard time believing a lot of the things that are happening because there's so much disinformation going around and that it just, it's hard to trust anything anymore. Right. And we're, it's good. Well, you can put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I I get up in the morning, of course. I mean, but uh, I'm saying um, Alex, like, you know, it's uh for a person who, you know, I'm educated and I understand what's going on, just it's very hard to, you know, listen to one thing, listen to something else. You know, you don't know, right? It's, uh, you got to almost think every time you hear something, right? Well, you know, it depends on, you know, how how things are, are presented. You just have to have to look at the, the information. I mean, I yeah. just like to use Fox, for example. Um, I just, I remember, oh, when Obama was president in, you know, the early 2010s and he had said he was open to meeting with, um, to go to the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. He was open to talking to him under certain conditions. And I just remember Fox doing this hit piece you know, and it was just, you know, this is un-American. He would talk to Kim Jong-un, face our biggest enemy. He's not our, you know, I mean, they went create like yelling at the TV. You know, this is the most unpatriotic, un-American. Who, who does he think he is? And then a few years later, Trump decides to go to Korea and talk to Kim Jong-un. I remember Sean Hannity, you know, the same guy that was like yelling at the TV about a month. leadership. Now that's real leadership. You t- he's talking, you know what I mean? And there's just so many examples of this where, okay, if 
the politician they don't like does something. They're yelling at the TV. Same politician or the same same thing is done by the guy they're backing. It's it's great. Everything he does is great. You know what I mean? And it's not like that on uh, all the networks. You know, there's many that are critical. You, you know, people, since my song has come out, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, okay, why don't you talk about CNN? They're, they're the real liars, you know. Well, no, you know what? CNN actually has criticized President Biden. They don't give yeah. him a free ride. It's very different. So, you know, you can't make that comparison. And um, anyway, so the song is about, it's about Fox specifically, but also um, January 6th. And I thought I would have the song out much earlier. There's a whole story behind that. In fact, my latest episode of the podcast, Moods and Modes, is all about that. The making of the song the making of the video, why it took so long. Um, I had a quote by Frank Zappa, who's a big influence on these songs. These songs are as inspired by Frank Zappa as they are by Run DMC. It may be even more so. And um, I had to change part of the song. Long story short, it ended up taking much longer. And then as January 6th was approaching, this seemed like a perfect day to released the song so it came out on january 6th it's called big lie in initials like respect r-e-s-p-e-c-t ours is b-i-g-l-i-e and uh there's the podcast episode about it just dropped yesterday yeah, so it's anywhere you get your podcasts uh moods and modes and uh it's been fun hearing about <laughs> hearing the reactions and i I actually read some of the hate mail out loud on this episode and address it. And um, that's all to me. That's all part of it. I don't yeah. feel affected by it. Well, I, I feel like you, you're good at expressing yourself. I mean, by the way, if you can do a rap song in a weekend, like you should run up to uh, New York City and, you know, do a song with Jay-Z because he just does the song right there yeah. on the spot. I live um, in New York City. Yeah. Um, I can't I freestyle though. That's yeah. that's a whole other skill. But I, I can I can appar put appar rhymes apparently together. he Alex he goes in the studio. Jay Z jumps in the studio and just just does it. Like no, he's amazing. He's yeah. totally amazing. And I've I've I know guys who can do that. And that that's a whole other skill. I don't I don't yeah. touch that, but I respect it. Absolutely, I respect your skills, and I respect yeah. you coming on my show. Moods and Modes is Alex's podcast. Uh, check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, as far as the Osiris Network. You can go up to their website and figure out which one you want to listen to. There's over 100 on there as well, including Moods and Modes. Thanks a lot, man. It's uh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back on. Um, hopefully, we'll do it live. If you guys ever come to Toronto, uh, yeah. do an estimate, Joe. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to you know talk to you and... Um, and uh, hear more about your experiences. Thanks, man. It'll be a pleasure. In normal times, I get to Toronto at least a couple times a year. Awesome. In fact, I, I did a show for Banger TV a couple of years right before the pandemic. Uh, Shredders of Metal, it was called. It was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Toronto. So hope to come well, back soon. And we'll, we'll meet up next time. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right.